In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's give our musicians a big hand, a great job as usual. Uh, We're in a series called The Spirit of Faith. Say this with me, The Spirit of Faith. faith. It is the Spirit of Victory. I have the Spirit of Faith. I have the Spirit of Victory. In my life, on my life, all around my life. Thanks be to God, who always causes me to triumph. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 13. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal bodies. Now that's a a good thing to say over your body on a regular basis. And that is this, that the life of Christ is being manifest in my body every day. The life of God, the quickening power of the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen? And then in verse 12, he says, So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. I mean, he just got to a point where he just believed so much it just started coming out of his mouth. And you know, that's the truth that we need to embrace. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So whatever you put in your heart in abundance, whatever it might be, whatever you're sowing into the ground of your heart is what is going to come out of your mouth. Amen? Amen. And so I've got a great suggestion for you. Put copious amounts of God's Word in your heart. Amen? Amen? And so we see here in verse 13, he says, We have in the same spirit of faith. So we have the same spirit of faith that David had when he faced Goliath. We have the same spirit of faith that Elijah had when he called down fire to burn up the sacrifice. We have the same spirit of faith, amen, that Joshua had and the children of Israel when they shouted and Jericho's walls came falling down. You have the same spirit of faith that uh, the apostle Peter had when he stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached a dynamic message and many hearts were turned to the Lord. You have the same spirit of faith that the Apostle Paul had. And so we rejoice in that and we thank God for it. Now notice with me over in Hebrews chapter 10. And let's look at, uh, begin in verse 35. Hebrews the 10th chapter. He says and instructs us to not cast away our confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Now, one thing about being confident in God, there's a payoff. There are rewards for walking in confidence in God. So again, cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For he that for yet a little while, and he that will come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. How shall the just live? Okay, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Now, he's saying if we draw back, drawing back in the context of this verse means that we're drawing back 
from living by faith. And so if we want to please God, then we want to make sure that we're conducting and regulating our lives through confidence and through trust and through faith in Him. So let's not draw back. Let's stay with it. What do you say? And I like verse 39, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but thank God we are them that believe to the saving of the soul. Is that you? That's me. Amen. That's us. And so faith steps out, faith keeps walking, amen, faith keeps praising in the midnight hour, and we can live by it and rejoice in a great God that we serve. Verse 1 of late Hebrews 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, it is the evidence of things not seen. Now let me say this to you like this, if I'm in faith and you're in faith about something, Something. Maybe it's for your physical body. Maybe it's to pay your bills. Maybe it's for a loved one to come to the Lord. But if we are in faith for about something, it is not yet and it is not seen. If I'm in faith about something, it is not yet and it is not seen. How many of you know if you can see it, you don't have to be in faith about it? If it's happened already, guess what? Faith for that particular area stops. And so, faith then, confidence in God, trust in a faithful God, is our foundation in which hope stands on. Okay? So, the firm foundation of God's Word, our covenant with Him, when we stand upon His Word, then that will give substance to what we hope for. That which hasn't materialized yet, but that which we are confidently and favorably expecting. Amen? Do you see that? Do you get that? All right. For example, you believe you've received your healing when you pray, right? You believe you received the finances when you pray, correct? You believe for your specific need when you pray. That's what Jesus said. He said, what things soever you desire, when you pray, not after you pray, but when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So we believe we receive it first where? In the realm of our heart. We believe we have it here, right? Now out here it hasn't happened yet. But we're standing on God's word and we're expecting it to come to pass soon and very soon. Now, a great indicator of being in trust and being in faith and being in confidence in God and His Word is real faith doesn't get depressed. Now, you'll have the opportunity to get depressed. You'll have the opportunity to get down. You'll have the opportunity to wear a frown. We've all had it, right? As a matter of fact, all of us, if we're honest about it, have yielded to that. And there's no condemnation over that. But when you become fully persuaded of God and you get so in love with Him and so in love with His promises, His presence will absolutely give you joy unspeakable and He'll fill your life with the glory of God and the presence of God so there's no more room for depression, no more room for sorrow because you're just filled with all the fullness of God. Amen? So there's going to be joy and there's going to be peace. Okay, verse 2 by 4, by it... The elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And we've talked about that in depth, that if we want our tomorrows to be good, we need to start framing our tomorrows today. 
faith-filled words. What kind of life do you want to have? Frame it. Amen? Amen? Don't speak depression. Don't speak poverty. Don't speak lack. Speak what God's Word says you are, says you have, and says you can do. Don't talk about who you're not, what you don't have, and what you can't do. You'll never get any further than what you believe and what you say according to the Word of God. Now, you can go spot off a lot of things that don't line up with the Word of God, and it ain't going to come to pass. We're not talking about that. We're talking about things in line with God's Word and God's will for your life. You have a right to stand on. You have a right to speak. You have a right to believe. You have a right to act on. You have a right to expect it to happen. Verse 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. And we talked about how that Cain's, our Abel's sacrifice, is still speaking today. Because what Abel did is he gave the best that he very had, that he had. He gave fluffy, we could say, right? And so it pleased God. It pleased God. Now tonight, we want to talk a little bit further about verse 5. We want to talk about this gentleman by the name of Enoch. It says here, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Okay? Now notice that in this book of Hebrews chapter 11, this chapter rather, Hebrews chapter 11... A lot of it starts out with by faith. So we know that these things were accomplished by what? By faith. So by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because he had, because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now we found out last week when we looked at the book of Genesis that the way that Enoch pleased God is he walked with God. He walked with God. Did you know that when you walk with God, it pleases God? We could say it this way, that faith is a walk. The question I want to ask you tonight is, how did Enoch walk with God? How are we going to walk with God? You see, every person in Hebrews chapter 11 experienced God. They experienced God. I mean, God showed up for them in their situation. And He is the same today as He was yesterday. And so they experienced God, but the way that they experienced Him was in their confidence, and they had an unshakable trust in a good God. Amen? Amen. So, notice this with me, that he had this testimony. Let's read this again, verse 5. Ready, read. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found, because he had translated him. For before he, his translation, he had this what? Testimony. He had this testimony that he what? Pleased God. He pleased God. Walking with God pleases God. And verse 6 tells us exactly how he did it. Notice in verse 6. But without faith, it is 
impossible to please him. Enoch could not have walked with God without faith. I cannot walk with God without faith. I must, you must believe that God is. Now, I've never seen God before. I've never seen Jesus in that Jesus has appeared to me. Maybe you have. Not many people have. But a prerequisite to pleasing God is number one, we must believe that what? We must believe that He is. Enoch would have never walked with God if he didn't believe he was real. Where did Enoch hear about God? He heard about God from his grandpapa, Adam. He heard about how that God fellowshiped with them, that before the fall, he came down in the cool of the day, and he would go for a stroll with Adam and Eve and just fellowship with them. Understand that when we're looking at Enoch, we're looking at after the fall. Okay? So, he heard about the garden. He heard about how that God walked with his grandparents. And evidently, he got a picture on the inside of him that the same God that would walk with them would walk with him. But he had to take it by faith. He had to take it by trust. And that is such a big key and such a major key in my life and in your life. Because the truth of the matter is, is we don't always feel God. We don't always sense His presence, do we? There are times that we sense His presence greatly. We sense His presence by degrees. But I dare say, early in the morning, perhaps you don't sense anything. But you can take it by faith that He is. That He is real. And not only is He real, He is everywhere. Let's pull Hebrews eleven six back up again. But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God... Now notice, must. This is a must. We must believe that He's real. And we must believe that having a conversation with Him is possible. We don't need anyone to get a hold of him for us. There is one mediator between man and God, the man, Christ Jesus. So I got to believe that he is real. And I got to believe that he loves me as much as he loves you. As much as he loves you. And that he's there for everybody. That he's omnipresent. That he's not difficult to get a hold of. He's real. And he's here right now. (laughs) He's real and he's here right now. 
You could go to the most distant island in the world. Find yourself a bamboo tree and lay down on the beach and God would be there and say, what you doing? <laughs> Woo, he's here. He's here. We don't have to feel him to know he's here. We know he's here because he said he's here. Hallelujah. You got to believe he is. And you got to believe that he loves you as much as he loves anybody. And you got to believe that he's there for you as much as he is there for me, as much as he's there for Pastor Tom, as much as he is there for Oral Roberts. He is there and here for all of us. He had this testimony that he pleased, he pleased God. Oh, Lord Jesus, help me to get this out tonight. And I believe that every, every one of us need to be reminded of this truth. Because too much of the time, we're relying on someone else to do our praying. We're relying on someone else. And that's, don't get nervous. That's just human nature. Because it's human nature to look for someone that knows God. But you can know Him for yourself. Fellowship with Him is not unattainable. It's attainable for you. And it's attainable for me. So without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is real. Amen? And... Don't stop there. Don't stop there. But also we must believe that he is a rewarder of those that what? Those that casually seek him when trouble comes. No. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He rewarded Enoch... By taking him home. Enoch was translated. For Enoch, Enoch's reward, reward was translation. Your reward may be something else. But mark it down. There are rewards for those who diligently seek him. Amen. Now Enoch walked with God. And I would dare say that he did so habitually. That he did it as a way of life. Amen? Because he was rewarded and he must have been diligent about it. Let's just keep that up there. One translation says that he is a rewarder for all those who make a serious search for him. 
for those who make a serious search for him. Another translation says, he rewards those who seek and look and reach for him. Those who seek and look and reach for him. Let's look over at James chapter 4. James, the fourth chapter. Faith is a walk. It takes faith to walk with God. How many of you know sometimes it takes faith to come to church? I thought I'd get an amen there. Well, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes, it, well, all the time it takes faith to get up here. Because I'm doing what I'm doing by faith. I'm looking for Him. I'm looking to Him to give me utterance. I'm reaching for Him. Without Him, I can't do anything. And neither can you. But thank God we're not without Him. (laughs) Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you're not without Him? Moms, dads, papas, mamas, aren't you glad you're not without Him? I would not want to be a parent in this day, in this hour, without Him. Matter of fact, I wouldn't want to get on the freeway without Him. (laughs) All right. So, now that we got that settled... Let's look over at James chapter 4. James 4th chapter. These Bible studies are fun. Okay. In verse 7, well, let's start in verse 6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he says, God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. Okay. Now, what would a proud person attitude be? About walking with God. If they're proud, they think, you know, I got this. I can do this on my own. It doesn't work in our own strength. Okay? But that's not us. We don't want to be resisted by Him. We want to be humble. And and let God know how much we need Him. And He gives grace to those folks. Verse 7 says, Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil... And he will flee from you. There's two things there. If you submit yourself to God, the devil will submit to you. If I submit myself to God, the devil will have to submit to me when I resist him. To the God in me. All right? If I don't submit myself to God, I can resist the devil till I'm blue in the face and he will not flee from me. The devil only flees from submitted saints. Submitted to him. Just a thought. Not the message, but a good thought. All right, here's what we want to see now. Verse 8, let's let's bring it up and let's, let's feed on this a little bit. Okay, let's read together. Draw nigh to God. Let's read that again. Draw nigh to God. One more time. Okay, so what this is saying, come close to him. Come close to him. Remember, he's everywhere. Come close to him. And what will he do? He'll come close to you. So what I see this saying is, That God ultimately has made the first move in that he has initiated the right to come to him 
through his sacrificial sacrifice on Calvary. And the Bible says <laughs> that the, the, he moved out of the temple made with hands and he moved into our lives. So in that sense, logistically, he's made the first move. But now that that's done, he's saying, now sons, daughters, come on. I'm giving you a holy invitation to a glorious fellowship and visitation. He that cometh to God, he will in no way cast out. Which means when we come to him and we draw nigh to him, he will not reject us. You are not the rejected. You are the accepted in the beloved. And what causes you to be pre-approved and accepted is the blood of Jesus. Isn't that good news? So therefore we can come not full of condemnation to the throne of grace, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Come near to Him, He will come near to you. Now how do we do that? We do it by faith. Turn me to Psalm 139 if you would. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Begin at verse 1. Somebody shout hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Lord. One sure way to come into the presence of God is through praise and thanksgiving. Psalm 139, and this will go right along with what we're talking about. Must believe that he's real and that he's everywhere, that he's here. In 139, he says, O Lord... Thou hast searched me and known me. You know my downsitting and my uprising. You understand even my thoughts from afar off. You compass my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. Think about that. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you know it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and you've laid your hand upon me. Remember that message Keith Hershey preached years ago? The hand of the Lord is upon me for good. Let's say that right now. The hand of the Lord is upon me for good. All together now. The hand of the Lord is upon me Hallelujah. Good things in store. Because the hand of the Lord is upon me. And he opens up every door. He gives me favor everywhere I go. Every day of my life. He's freed me and redeemed me from the things below. And lifted me high above all strife. The hand of the Lord is upon me for good. The hand of the Lord is upon you for good. All right. Verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? (laughs) I love this. If I ascend up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. 
If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Whoo, glory. And so we see here that this bears witness with the scripture that he's everywhere. He's omnipresent. Did you know that the word of God is alive? And that God and his word are one? You have the golden, wonderful opportunity to get acquainted with him through this word. He's here. He's here. Tony, he said this to us. He said he'll never leave us or forsake us. Never. You know, when this becomes real, I mean really real in a person's life, their lonely days are over. I know the world sings lonely days and lonely nights. Where would I be without my woman? Remember that song? Huh? Lonely days and lonely nights. Where would I be without my college degree? Where would I be without my house, my car, my job? Those things do not define you. Those are byproducts and blessings of being in Christ and being a child of God. But in the midnight hour, he's there. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. When your house is empty, he's there. He walks with you. He talks with you. A long life's narrow way. I don't believe in singing songs like Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Our hearts are not lonely because he's there. Are you listening, Jimmy? Now, how many of you want to experience him? Now, listen, to experience him, we must seek him. To experience him, Mark Thomas, Pastor Mark, must seek him. He's going to respond to you reaching out to him. And the more that you reach out to him, the more of him you will experience. Say that with me. The more more I reach out to Him, him. the more of Him him. I will experience. I I want to experience Him. Thank God for what He's done in past revivals, but I want to experience Him in 2013. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah. 
thank God for what He's done for others, but what He's done for others, He will do for you. Head knowledge doesn't get it. Experiential knowledge is what we want. Intimacy, acquaintance, manifestation. Oh, do we need Him? And oh, do we want Him? So we can know Him, we can walk with Him so much more. Can't we? Could could we all do a little better? I'll raise both my hands. Could could we all just, maybe just reach out further? I think we all could. How about you? There's value in learning about Him, right? There's value in learning about Him, but there's greater value in experiencing Him. We learn about Him, but if we stop there and we don't experience Him? You know, if we talk about healing, but we never see any healings... We're learning that he's the healer. But how about the healer doing some healings? If we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit in a Pentecostal church. If we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know what? I think we should have some people baptized in the Holy Ghost and experiencing Glossolalia. Speaking in tongues. Are you listening? One of the downfalls, I believe, and this is a personal opinion and you can take it, you can leave it, just don't throw any stones at me. But I think one of the downfalls of education when it comes to biblical studies, theological schools, is they spend so much time learning about Him that there's no place to experience Him. That's why I like the company that I keep. That's why I like the Bible school that I went to and and that's what I, what I like about places that give room for the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's got to have room. Amen. Now, how many of you know what the word vicarious means? Can you tell me? Living through what? That's a very good definition. What what would another definition be, Jim? Well, pretty much that, that basic one is uh, living your life through, through another or you know, living through others. Living through others, living your life through another, vicariously. Okay? You and I can know Him personally. 
not through someone else's experience and vicariously. I highly respect the people that have gone on before us. But I'll tell you, at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus Christ. I am not going to get anywhere in life resisting the devil by what so-and-so said. I've got to know him for myself. It's like those demons and the seven sons of Sceva. They said, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who in the world are you? I don't want to live on someone else's revelation. I don't want to live on borrowed faith. I want to know him for myself. Look at John 17, verse 2. You getting anything tonight? I hope you're being encouraged. John chapter 17, because you can know him. You don't have to go to Bible school to know him. You don't have to have a fifth grade education to know him. You know, they said that Smith Wigglesworth, he was a plumber. He was not an educated man. He said when he'd stand up to preach, he'd stumble over his words and could barely get a word out. I know a man like that down in Southern California. I won't say who it is. Has a hard time sometimes. But when Wigglesworth would get up, the anointing would hit him. And the Bible says he would be turned in to another man. And he would preach like a man on fire from heaven. And that's what the anointing will do to you and do for you. It'll turn you into another person. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not preaching against education, but what I am preaching against is educating your mind at the expense of your spirit. Okay? I think the best case scenario is to do both. John 17, and notice with me in verse 2. John 17, verse 2. As you have given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to thou, to those thou hast given. And this is, verse 3, eternal life, life eternal, that you may know him, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So get to know him. Experience his blessings. Knowing Him, according to this scripture, is a key to life. I want to have a living fellowship with Him, not second-hand fellowship. Turn with me to John chapter 4. And notice with me in verses 39 through 42. I'm inspired by other people's knowledge. That's awesome. But I can know Him for myself. John chapter 4, verse 39 through 42. 
Now, you know the context of this. Jesus is preaching to the woman at the well. And he basically read her mail, didn't he? He said, you've had five husbands. And she was so completely blown away by what he said. She went into town and she told everybody about this experience. Now listen, this experience that she had. And she said, come see a man that told me everything I ever did. And the Bible says that they went out. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that I ever did. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. He and he abode how many days? Look at verse 41. And many more believed, what? Because of his word. Verse 42. Are you ready to shout? And said unto them, and now we believe, not because of your saying, but we have heard him for ourselves. And we know now, come on now, this is indeed Christ, the Savior of the world. Glory to God. It's good to be inspired by testimonies. But these, some of them, they needed to hear him for themselves. And when they heard him for themselves, the darkness left because the lights came on and faith came. And they said, now we believe him for ourselves. And I'm telling you, dear brothers and sisters, you can walk with God for yourself. One of the ugliest things about religion is this. The way that I grew up, it was only one man that had the relationship with God. And you had to go talk to him to get right with God. That's not scriptural. No, it isn't. Look at Hebrews chapter 8 verse 11. We're fixing to close. Brenda knows what fixing means. The context of Hebrews chapter 8 is talking about a better covenant established upon better promises. Say with me, I have a better covenant. It's established upon better promises. All right, so Hebrews chapter 8, and just one little phrase in here in verse 11. And they shall teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me. From what? The least to the greatest. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And so then, as you grow and as you develop, And as you walk with God, like Enoch walked with God by faith, you'll please him. And you'll be rewarded for walking in that direction with God. God will reward you with his presence. He'll reward you with favor. He'll reward you with promotion. He will reward you from divine life, with divine health. He will reward you with even prosperity. 
Now listen. I'm not looking for anybody to do my praying for me. I'm just not. I know him for myself. I know how to get a hold of him for me. Well, what about the value of corporate prayer and united prayer? Yes. It's awesome. It's wonderful. The prayer of agreement is wonderful when you can lock shields with other people. But where it gets a little weird for me is when people have more faith in the prayer warrior than they do the one who answers prayer. So let us all come boldly. Let's all come fearlessly. What do you say? Let's all come confidently to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Stand up, everybody. Everyone say it with me. Faith is a walk. I walk by faith. I walk with God by faith. Now pray this, Lord Jesus. We want to experience you. My prayer tonight is the same that Paul prayed. Oh God, that I may know you. That is my purpose. And may I know the power.